Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to see you today. How many are excited to be at church today? Come on. It is so good to have you with us. Hey, before we get started, I want to take a moment. I want to look into the camera, and I want to welcome our online church family. Everybody at the Nant Pacific Center, throw your hands together. Welcome those who are joining us online today. It's so good to have you with us. If you're our guest for the first time, I want to introduce myself. My name is Rhett. I have the joy and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at One Life Church, and I want everybody to know that, honestly, it is the joy of my life. It is the greatest privilege and the greatest honor to get to just serve you and to do life with you. And uh, really excited about today. We're continuing our series called Best Summer Ever. Anybody enjoying the summer so far in these triple digits, breaking records, like all kind of records? Uh, you know what's crazy is I actually had an opportunity to go. It was in the South. Can somebody say what in the world is happening right now? Jesus come quickly, right? And so I was enjoying about 80 degree weather. I know everybody else is enjoying the triple digits. So uh, anyways, I hope you're having a great time staying cool. Uh, very excited today. Got a special guest I don't introduce here in a moment. But before we do that, I just want to take a moment and I want to thank every single person who took a step yesterday and went out to serve your community on serve day. Where are all those who served yesterday? Can I hear you this morning? Come on. If you're, if you're here for the first time today, we've been talking about this for several weeks leading up to a, a day we call Serve Day. That's where we as a church join uh, not only here locally with other churches, but our churches around the planet. Honestly, we're all out in droves yesterday, just being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, loving people, serving people. Uh, got some reports this morning from several small groups, uh, you know, with a student life small group. Hey man, we went out to Mallard Park in Caldwell and we were handing out bottled waters and it was so cool to see all the students along with their parents and their siblings going out loving people serving people and uh, yeah I heard reports yesterday as well some small groups went to McDonald's and were paying for people's meals at McDonald's some people were over at Starbucks paying for people's meals at Starbucks uh, we had a crew of people going out to kind of do some landscaping and some different things cleaning up some people's houses and stuff and they were all doing it in the name of Jesus is it about landscaping is it about the waters is it about paying for people's food no but it it is about the person on the other end of that. It's letting them know that they have value and that God loves them, and so do we. And so that was what it was all about. And I think more than anything, as much as we think it really is about the other person, it's amazing what happens on the other side of you when you take a step and you just say, you know what, today is not about me, it's about another person. And God does this miracle on the inside of you. It's amazing. And for all those who participated, I know you're experiencing it already. And I just want to say thank you so much. You are the greatest church on the planet. Thank you so much for going out and serving your community yesterday. Come on, put your hands together again for all the small groups and small group leaders who were a part of that. It was a lot of fun. 
Hey, all right, you guys, we are a message note-taking church. If you haven't already done so, uh, go to olc.church, swipe down, click on a button that says message notes. If you're following online, you'll see a button that says message notes or uh, our notes on the bottom of your screen there. Feel free to follow along. We are a church that likes to take notes. In fact, no, we don't like it. We love it. Why? Because our job isn't just to inspire you on a Sunday. That is important. We want to encourage you. But more importantly, we want to put into your hands throughout Monday through Saturday some practical tools on how to live this thing out. And if you're enjoying the notes, can I get a good amen from everybody? If you're online this morning, throw up some hearts or some hands or whatever, you know. Um, But we're really excited. Today, uh, it is a great honor for me to introduce to you. Um, He is a dear friend. More than that, he's really my best friend uh, outside of my wife, who is my best, best, best friend, you know. (laughs) Many of you have heard my testimony, and I'll just give it to you really short. Um, At three years old, my parents got a divorce. At seven years old, my mom committed suicide. I was looking for love in all the wrong places from seven to 16. And uh, a good friend of mine who's sitting on the front row who you're going to hear from today, uh, I met him when I was seven, eight years old. And we started doing life together. And uh, let me say life, it was, we, we started doing a lot of stupid together. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and we grew up together. We grew up in a... We go to church. I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a, just, I, you know, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll just claim Christianity, right, to, keep, to shut everybody up whenever they would ask you about God. And so we grew up in and out of church, and it was at 16 years old that my best friend, who you're going to hear from today, uh, invited me. Actually, I, I don't want to tell your story today, but you need to know this. He was living a life like me, doing a lot of stupid. Uh, he thought this girl looked really good, and she invited him to a youth retreat in Florida. You know what I'm saying? And so he's like, hey, this girl invited me. I'm going to this youth trip. He went for a girl. He came back with Jesus, everybody. I'm just saying. And my friend came back. He was completely transformed. And I was like, okay, what happened to my friend? He's like, hey, Red, you need to come check out this church. God's doing a lot of great things in my life. You know, I love you, man, but I can't do these things anymore that we used to do. And I'm like, oh, thanks, God. You ruined my best friend, right? And, uh, but there was something different. There was a heart transformation on the inside of him that I'd never seen before. And it was honestly everything that I didn't know that I needed in my life. But he had found it, and he was sharing it with me, and he invited me to a church much like One Life Church today, and... As you know, the rest is history. I I went, gave my heart to Christ, and experienced God in a transformative way that I just can't explain with words. And it's really the reason I stand on this platform today is because of this man that you're about to hear from. It's because of the friendship. Woo! I told myself I wasn't going to cry. We have a brotherhood that goes farther than just being brothers. He is is my brother, but man, he's just, just I'm telling you, it's life-changing. And so... The Bible teaches us to show honor where honor is due. I'm telling you today, it's going to be a great time in God's word. You're going to get to laugh a lot, have a good time. I know he's got a word from God for you today. But can you help me welcome in a One Life Church fashion? Will you stand to your feet? Will you throw your hands together for my best friend, our overseer and pastor, Justin Bradshaw from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. Let him know how much you love him. I love you, baby. Have fun, man. I will. Thank you guys so much. One Life Church. Hey, I love you. Uh, Even if I haven't met you, this has been, for me, my fifth trip here uh, since this church was started. And I just, man, it's cool because when I come back, 
I'm not just coming back to see a church and my best friend, which that's always a fun part, and we're going to have a great time. Uh, but I feel like I, come, I also come here for so many friends. This morning, I was getting to greet the worship team. Isn't your worship team amazing, by the way? Aren't they great at what they do? Man, they're such skilled vocalists and musicians, and, but it just feels like family to me now. And I joked last time I was speaking here saying, treat me like your crazy uncle, but I, I kind of want to be promoted. I don't want to be crazy uncle anymore. I just want can I just be, can I just be uncle, part of the family here? So <laughs> who knows what I'll be next year? Man, I'm moving on up. But yeah, it really is such a privilege for me every time that I get to see um, your faces. And Rhett is my lifelong best friend. It really is crazy to have someone that you've been best friends with since you were seven and eight years old. And I know he got to share some of that story, but man, I'm so thankful for a friend like Rhett. He has gotten me through so many things as we have served Jesus over the past 28 years together. And then really, too, um, Rhett and his amazing wife, Linda, just the, really the pastors here for this church, you know, being 30 hourly stay when Rhett first told me uh, that he's moving to Boise, Idaho, and uh, really stepping out of everything, you know, obviously it ends up becoming Nampa. We in the South just know Boise, and then I get to teach my people when I come home, there's more than Boise. There's Nampa, there's Caldwell, and I'm, I'm a pro, you know what I mean? And so, but just what it takes to step out and step into something that you've never, ever asked people you don't know. Everything is fresh and new, all because you feel this promise in your heart. You feel this assignment. And for them to take this step, if you would, in a way, just even just to honor me, would you help honor Rhett and Linda for what they do as a church and put your hands together for that? Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Thank you guys for that. Rhett, Linda, I love you guys so much, and you, you're making such an impact uh, for this season that God has you in this part of the country. It's home, and it's amazing um, what's going on here, and, and yeah, just so, so thankful to be here. Uh, I want to tell you a story about this man who really had quite the impact that he made on all of us, and we don't know this yet, uh, but as a young boy... He was going to school, and as a season set in, he ends up, his mom is reached out to by their teacher, and it's the good old teacher-parent conference. Kids, <laughs> hey, <laughs> we're, we're nervous when those things happen, right? Um, and he gets called into the, the, the office, and the teacher looks at the mom in front of the child and actually says, your child is too stupid to learn anything. That's a great meeting right there, isn't it? <laughs> and... And so the mom, as a loving mom, pulls him out to try to help teach him according to the way that he's able to learn at his own pace. Later in life, he goes for his first job. And at his first job, he's called in by the boss, and he is fired. The reason is he's unproductive. Well, he takes another job, the same thing. He's fired for being unproductive. Later, he becomes, as a young man, an inventor. And as he's working on some of these inventions, um, he is faced with over 1,000 failing attempts at this creation, this, this, this innovative idea that he thinks is going to change the world for all men, not just the rich, but all people. He fails. But then finally, after over 1,000 attempts, he brings this to a reality and completes the promise and the vision was the incarnate. And that gentleman's name was Thomas Edison. 
and his invention was the incandescent light bulb. Thank God for <laughs> him being so relentless in overcoming all the doubt that, and the naysayers. He was later being interviewed by this newspaper, and the lady said, how does it feel to have failed a thousand times making this? And he said, I didn't fail a thousand times. No, this invention required 1,000 steps to be completed. That's a cool perspective, isn't it? He was later talking to one of his fellow inventors and another invention he was working on, and he's in several thousand steps into it by now. So this guy obviously has quite, quite the relentless spirit. And his buddy says, what does it feel like to fail all these several thousands of times and to get zero results? It just feels like a waste of time. And he looked at his buddy and he said, results? Man, I've got results. I now know several thousand things that will not work. Isn't that a cool perspective? Thomas Edison, he was persistent, but he had the right perspective on what he knew that he wanted and really what was put in his heart to do. And so I wish that I could say that I've always carried that way. I would love to say that I've always had that relentless, non-doubting spirit. Uh, And sometimes I feel like I have, but I know on one occasion... Uh, when I was 21 years old, I've been a musician now for 28 years and um, just been doing that with, along with me and Rhett doing that together for so many years. And one time after a long, long season of just uh, saving and, and I finally was able to get this dream guitar that I had. I did a high-end dealer and I mean just r- really expensive guitar. I played it. I loved it. felt so good. I would go out and do these tours and these gigs and I would break strings in the middle of the concert. And so I ended up needing some kind of second guitar. But you guys know, once you have something great, it's hard to kind of play something a little less. So when you're thinking, and you're not a musician, let's think like the best camper, the best RV, the best boat that there is. That's what this was in a guitar. So I mean, it was really, really nice. And so I had this idea in my own innocence. I thought, I'm going to call this guitar dealer, and I'm just going to ask him for another one. I don't have any money, but I'm going to ask. And I had sent a CD that I put out, and I called him one day, and I was put in touch at this high-end guitar dealer, a guy named Rick. And I said, hey, Rick, this is Justin Bradshaw. Um, That absolutely meant nothing to him. Um, And I said, I really love your guitars. They're very quality. (laughs) And, and, And I asked, I said, I really need a second guitar from when I'm playing out. And he said, Give me your address and tell me what guitar you want. So two things happened in that moment. The first thing was, yeah, that's right. Of course he's going to give me this guitar because that's why I caught him. The second thing was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to give me a guitar. I can't believe it. This is amazing. And so I was so excited. I went to some of my buddies, and I was telling them this story because I like to analyze, and I didn't want to tell the guitar I wanted right then because there were about three different ones I was looking at. And I didn't want to just miss the opportunity. And so I'm, I'm thinking over, mulling over before I call him back with my address, and I tell my buddies about it. And one of my friends, when I said, they're going to send me this guitar on mail, and my buddy said, yeah, and then you're going to get a bill for thousands of dollars. And I was like, no, I'm not going to get a bill for thousands of dollars. He said, why in the world would they send you this for nothing? And I said, man, because they, they, cause they are. <laughs> but then this doubt set in. And what was this tiny little seed of doubt, I can tell you, 
I ruminated over the next few days over this, and I had convinced myself, there's no way that they're going to give me this guitar. Why in the world would they give me this? I mean, the guy said it. He made it plain as day, and here I am talking myself out of it. 28 years later, I never, ever made the call back to give him my address and tell him the guitar that I wanted because I let doubt set in. This is really, y'all are like my counselors. I'm still, <laughs> I still find that I need to talk about it. <laughs> my wife's a professional counselor, so you know she's heard the story a few times. Um, but yeah, it is amazing what happens when just that little seed of doubt can set in. And that's why today's message, I'm so passionate on what I want to tell you, because when I look at all the faces, I know for a fact that God has created every one of you with a specific wiring, a specific purpose, a specific promise. Maybe it's to be more successful at your job because of this right motive that God's wanting to set you up for. Students, maybe it's you getting ready for school and you're, you're trying to actually choose maybe the right college. Maybe it's actually school and you're trying to make a certain team and you just know that this is supposed to happen. Whatever the case is, I do know this, God has an amazing promise for your life. And I'm passionate to see you see that through without doubt making you end up being disqualified from this. It takes persistence. It takes overcoming this doubt. And there's an author, there's a, a, a well-known theologian, uh, the late and awesome Eugene Peterson. And he ended up making this amazing quote, uh, this statement, where he said, endurance is not a desperate hanging on but it's a traveling from strength to strength. Think about that. When you think you've done all you can do and you're not making any progress, sometimes just enduring, you're actually still making movement. And that is my hope today for you, is that you're able to be challenged to overcome doubt so that you can see the promises of God for your life fulfilled. And there's no greater story in the Bible that I can find um, than the story of Caleb. And we're going to actually read from Joshua 14, 6 through 14. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. If not, it's going to be on the screen. But I'm just going to read through this, and then we'll end up uh, breaking it down uh, right at the end. So here we go. And Caleb said to him, he's talking about Joshua, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, on account of you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, The land on which your foot has walked shall certainly be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. I now, and now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today, and I am still as strong as I was on the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there. These are mighty, mighty warriors. 
very feared by everyone. Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Listen to this. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out just as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb to this day because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. The title of this message today, I would like to call No Sleep Till Hebron. All my 80s lovers, all my, young, all my kiddos in here who um, have watched Secret Life of Pets, y'all are filling me here. It's, a, it's an honor of you guys who understood what that title even meant, No Sleep Till Hebron. So let me give you a little bit of a, a, a current setting to what's going on here. I know that was a lot of scripture to read, but I'll break all this down for you. See, the children of Israel, they're about to take the land. They've been wandering in the desert like 40 years. It's been between 40 and 45 years, and they're finally about to take the land that was um, promised to them. And because of some disobedience, they ended up being stuck in this desert. So now's the time they're splitting out the allotted pieces of the land. And here's, uh, here's Caleb. Caleb comes in and actually remembers a promise that was given a long time ago. And he comes in with his people just to not take advantage of a situation. But he says, hey, this is what was promised to be my, by God. Hebron is the mountain that was promises an inheritance. So he's coming in there with this very, very bold request. And so that's kind of setting you up for that right now. But there's three takeaways from Caleb's story that I want to give you guys today. But first, another backstory. So you can uh, read, I'll give you the scripture later, but uh, Moses sends out 12 spies. Some of you may be familiar with the story if you're new to the Bible, new to Christianity. Maybe you're not a believer and you haven't heard the Bible. But just set up another backstory for you. 40, 45 years ago, uh, the Israelites at this time had been delivered out of Egypt. And so they're just thankful they're no longer slaves. And they basically came into this moment where they're about to go take this land that God promised to them. And Moses uh, sends out 12 spies. And these are like the leaders of all the camps who are just, they're the, they are the they're the, I mean, they're like the, they are the, the studs, if you will. They're the, they are the warriors. They're the leaders of leaders. They're sending them out to go scope out the land and scout it out, really to go tell how awesome this place is that God's already promised them. So they go out to the land, 12 of them, right? 10 people, 10 people give a negative report. They put such fear in Israel's eyes, saying these people are huge, they're strong, we can never take these people. Like, we're not ready for this. Two guys, one being Joshua, but we're going to focus in on Caleb. Caleb looks at it and says, this, I mean, we, we can take these guys. Come on, God is, because he knows it's not us fighting the battle, it's God fighting the battle. He remembered the promise. His report comes back. And what ends up happening in that report is Caleb's given a promise. Hey, because of your fully following God, we're giving you uh, this mountain. So just to back it up a little bit, they gave the good report, Caleb and Joshua. Everybody else uh, didn't. So the three takeaways that I want to give to you, a famous, a famous uh, quote from Zig Ziglar, 
but it's so true right here. The attitude determines your altitude. I'll read a scripture in Numbers 13.30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once. Take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. And people still doubted the word of God because of the discouraging report. And the result of that, they would never end up seeing the promised land. Like that, when you ever hear about the Israelites in the desert for 40 years, that was the start. That was the catalyst moment. They were about to go in, and it turned into a 40-year journey after that. That one moment of them not taking God up on his promise. Uh, The second thing I would tell you is uh, process precedes promise. Process precedes promise. Let me read Joshua 14.10 to you. And now, behold, the Lord has let me live, just as he spoke, These 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am 85 years old today. So get this, Caleb was 40 years old. I mean, I'm 43. I just now, you know, three years ago passed that. My gosh, that's a long time. He's 40 years old when this promise is given. He's 85 years old when it actually comes to fruition. Once again, I haven't even lived that 45-year wait that he had to wait right here. Can you imagine the temptation and the setbacks that could have happened in that time? 85 years old. And I love this. It says he felt as strong and capable at 85 than he did at 40. Come on, guys. I like that. I'll take that. I'll take that promise right there. He felt as capable at 85 than he did at 40. That's a good one right there. It really does. When God's behind the story, age will never, ever, ever disqualify you. It only enhances what God's doing. It's no different than throwing a good old um, hot pocket in the microwave, right? They're all right. Sometimes they nasty. But when you start that, that roast early in the morning and you're smelling it all day and you come back at night and you just put the fork in it and it just kind of falls. And for my vegetarians, there's carrots and potatoes in there too. They do the same thing, so it still counts, right? It, you know what I'm talking about. It's so worth the wait when you finally eat it. When you're in God's will, if he chooses your process to take a long time, it's worth every second. Don't let the world tell you that anything has passed you by. That is the enemy's lie. That is doubt's lie. And then the third one is faithfulness leads to fulfillment. Faithfulness leads to fulfillment. Joshua 14, 13 through 14. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb to this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. And in that, those eight verses, it says in three times. So it's got to be important because they didn't just say he followed him. Like he was all in and it had to like make that statement every time. And when you think of what the definition of fully is, I was checking it out. It's completely or entirely to the furthest extent. He was all in with his walk and his belief on the promises that God gave him. And so 
Let's apply this a little bit. If there is only one thing that I could say to you guys today, if there's only one thing that you would remember, it would be this. You must be determined to overcome doubt if you want to see the promises of God attained. You must be determined to overcome the doubt that is definitely going to set in your life to see the promises of God attained in your life. I remember when I was 29 years old, I had this job offered to me. And just um, to kind of, I guess, describe it the right way, it seemed like on paper the dream job. It seemed like everything that I always wanted. And I was actually, to a degree, pursuing what led me to be the candidate to get this job. It checked off every list on the checkboxes, right? Except one thing. The question was, is there peace? I was 100% certain there was no peace in this. And so I ended up saying no to it. And when I said no, some of that same doubt that we've talked about today began to set in, uh, just saying like, oh my gosh, you've missed this. Why in the world would you say no? The promise I knew was I was supposed to stay put where I was and work on some things that was in my heart that that I believed it was going to be an effective measure to help in the area that I was in. But I felt the doubt, and those that I respected and people I really looked up to, they couldn't quite understand from their vantage point. It really seemed like a great move, and that didn't help either because I really felt like, oh my goodness, I'm really, really missing it. But by God's mercy, I still stuck with the original plan when all you can do sometimes is to say no, even when it doesn't make sense, but there's peace. I said no, just standing in the peace. I didn't feel good about it other than I knew it was the right thing to do. I said no, and I stayed put doing what I was doing. About a year and a half later, it was the position that was created, and I was the number one candidate for it. And it was the dream job. And the reason it was the number one candidate was the stuff I had been working on that past year was the stuff that actually needed to be taken care of to make this position actually work. And it was so cool to see that happen. It was one of those moments where you look back and say, only God, like only God, when you just stand in faith, these things happen. It doesn't make any earthly sense. And I stepped into that role and that particular promise for that season of my life was fulfilled, and I'm still getting to live off that to this day, uh, some of the other promises and fulfillments that have come since then, all because there was at least a tenacity. Maybe it's learning from a lot of other doubting moments that I've had, but by God's grace, it was amazing what can happen when you stand firm in that. And so all these stories are great, and how does this apply to us? So how to overcome doubt? Let's talk about that. How to overcome doubt. The first one is strengthen your faith. Strengthen your faith. It says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It could also be described as the word concerning Christ, which the whole Bible is a story leading up to Christ. So this is the word of God that we know is our holy Bible. What I would encourage you is Consume it. Consume the Bible every day. Even if it feels like a duty, not a delight, do it because it is the foundation that we live on. 
delight of your everyday principles lead, feelings will follow. That if you just set that as a part of your everyday, you're building this foundation for your life. No one looks at the foundation of a building, right? They don't look at, when, when I was in New York, I didn't like look at the foundation saying, hmm, I bet that thing has a great foundation. <laughs> I did, and I was, I was admiring the beauty, and I think we so many times do get caught up in the flash in the pan, in the Hollywood side of things, and we miss that everything worth doing and everything that lasts is this foundation, and sometimes it exists in anonymity and nobody will ever see it, but God does. But the difference you make will bypass anything that any man could ever give you. Foundation is so important, and that's the word of God in our life. It has to be a part of our everyday because it builds, it strengthens our faith when we get grounded. I would even say this, three things, and I know Pastor Red has mentioned this um, really in his repertoire over the course of a year because of the, the importance of prayer and worship and the Word of God, but it would be those three things. I kind of see those all in one, like, you know, um, prayer, worship, Word. It's kind of this process for me. It doesn't happen in an order like this, this, and this for me. I'll, I'll get in my Bible in the morning, and I'll read the Word of God. But then, you know, when you read something and, and it's just like, oh, my God, you're so awesome. Well, boom, now I'm turning into like this worshipful moment. And then I hear something and I'm like, Lord, you know, I, and it leads to conversation and prayer. So if you're in this moment setting it up every day, you're working word, worship, and prayer in your everyday life, and it's going to strengthen you where you don't see it overnight but it's like when you go look in the mirror one day after you've been working a long time, for a long time. You don't see it on day one, but then one day somebody else sees you who hasn't seen you in a long time, and they're like, oh my gosh, you have like completely changed. That's what the Word of God is. It will be seen by those who are coming into your presence because they know that something else in your life is greater than you are, and it's the Word of God. Strengthen your faith. When you know God's voice, for this blank right here, when you know God's voice, you overcome doubts lie. Faith keeps you moving forward even when the feelings tell you to give up. The second one is stay grateful. Stay grateful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Caleb stayed grateful during this 45-year journey. You know he could have easily taken the victim mentality, right? He came and gave the good report. Ten of the other guys are the ones who were like the naysayers and the fear mongers, right? But he still had to go walk the same desert for 40 years. He could have easily got bitter with that and said, see what this following God thing does. I'm the one who relied on his promise, and look what it did. But he didn't. He stayed grateful because he rested on the promise that God had for his life. And he did it through being grateful. He even said in the word of God, it said that uh, he was thanking God for keeping him alive in the wilderness, for keeping him fit for business. Now that the moment had finally come, he was ready. And I would encourage you, find ways in your life to be grateful. Thank God for your spouse. Even when it's not easy, we all go through things. It's not easy to always find a way to be grateful for your spouse, right? We, and I'm a spouse too. I get annoying. I know I do. <laughs> but find ways to be grateful. Find ways to be grateful for, for my young people in here. 
Be grateful that you have parents. Be grateful that you have a roof over your head. Find little things just to be grateful about. That you have, maybe you have a mom and a dad together. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Anything you can find to be grateful, I'm telling you, it will come out of you. And you will change the course of the doubt and negativity that hits your, that hits your life. I'm not saying bad things aren't going to happen. Bad things happen. This isn't a, uh, this is by no means a name it, claim it type message. Please hear that. This is all about God is always good. And there's always something to be grateful for. And it will change what you're going through when you see that there's, there is this being greater than you are and you're showing gratefulness. I'm just glad to be alive, Lord. Thank you that I'm in, I'm in Nampa, Idaho right now. And you know what? I'm not with my family and I miss them, but I'm with my friends. I'm so thankful. There's so much to be thankful for. This amazing civic center that lets us meet. And it has air conditioning. And thank God for the hot sun that gets a pool hot that I'm going to try to find in the next couple of days. And I'm going to go, wee, I'm going to jump in. I'm sorry for the visual if y'all had some there. And maybe some of y'all, you're welcome. So... Do not say that on service two. All right, duly noted. So when you know God's goodness, you overcome doubts and manipulation. When you know God's goodness, you overcome doubts, manipulation. Gratefulness keeps the right perspective, even in negative situations. And then number three, surrender yourself fully to God. Surrender yourself fully to God. Romans 12.1. I love this verse. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I love this because here's the premise, and I know it doesn't say it right here, but this is the premise. God desires relationship of all these areas of your life. The only way he can truly have it with you is for you to be fully surrendered. He's not scared to go into the darkest places of your life. No matter where you are, no matter what your age is, he's not scared to come and and, and face some of the things in your life. In fact, the, know the, the, the more you know God, you'll actually learn that he takes you on a journey and he will shine a light in some of those areas that need exposure. It never ends. It's not a bad thing that that could be set up for. It's not a condemnation if your spirit could be feeling that. He's continually breaking through the hardest parts to expose the unending worth He sees in you. He's not trying to point out things that are bad. He's trying to pierce the hardest part of you so that he can reveal the unending worth that you have. That's his goal. And as you surrender to him, you're giving God all the glory. He's worthy. I mean, if it's just us worshiping him the rest of our life, that alone he would be worthy of. But he wants to invite us. He invites you into this personal relationship where 
He's so sovereign as he gets glory, it turns into something for you where you actually, your condition changes. That's why the big thing we talk about, whether you're young or old, it's none of that matters with God. He's got a goal to get the best out of you. And then your best will go on and worship him. It is this endless cycle. It's amazing. From glory to glory, from strength to strength, as we talked about in that earlier quote. He sees gold inside of you. He wants to purify you. There's an industrialist from the late 19th century uh, and really later became um, just a famous uh, philanthropist as well. But on his staff, he had 43 millionaires. 43 millionaires. And so um, he was being interviewed by this reporter, and they were asking, how in the world? What, what was it like? I mean, how do you have 43 millionaires on, on, you know, on your team? And Carnegie responded that those men had not been millionaires when they started working for him, but had become millionaires as a result. The reporter's next question was, well, how did you develop these men to become so valuable that you've paid them so much money? And Carnegie replied that men are developed the same way that gold is mined. Here's what he said, I quote, when gold is mined, several tons of dirt must be moved to get an ounce of gold. But one doesn't go into the mine looking for dirt. One goes in looking for the gold. The same thing as God with you. God doesn't look inside of you for past mistakes. He's never going in there trying to find your wrongs and your mistakes and your mess ups. He goes in looking for gold. He is intent on finding the gold inside of you. All that other stuff's bypassed. He's coming for you. And it's called know God's grace, that final blank. When you know God's grace, you overcome doubts, condemnation. I'll say that again. When you know God's grace, you got to see him from a grace standpoint. You got to see that he's a God not coming to judge you and strike lightning and he's here of pure love. He wants to know you and he wants to expose those things as they get removed because he wants to go deeper to reveal the best inside of you. When you know of God's grace, you overcome doubts, condemnation. So strengthen your faith. Stay grateful. And surrender yourself fully to God. Be determined to overcome doubt. Be determined to overcome doubt in order to attain the promises of God for your life. Let's pray. If you would just bow your head, close your eyes. I first wanna address, um, you know, anytime there's a gathering like this, I do recognize there may be someone in here and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never really made him Lord of your life. And as we learn from the story of Caleb, it wasn't just a word to say, I know him. 
It was the true word of know him, which was intimately full before we surrendered. And before we pray, I just wanted to ask this question to you guys, that maybe this could be you. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. This is a relationship, this prayer that we're going to pray in just a minute. It's symbolic of words that you're saying, you're calling out to God and saying, I want you to be my Lord, and I want to go on this journey with you. I believe in you, and I want to go on this journey. There's nothing like it. 28 years into this, I can tell you now, there's nothing, there's nothing like this journey. I was 15 years old the first time I made this decision, and it changed my life. And if that's you today, and you would say, hey, Justin, I would like to make Jesus the Lord of my life. There's nobody looking around. This is just between me and you is a sign of letting me know I can pray for you. Those online right now, you're sitting in your living room, you're driving in your car. Have this heart to heart with the Lord. He wants to know you in ways that you could never imagine. He's put purpose in your heart and the only key to unlock that purpose is to surrender your life to Christ. If that's you and you'd like to make Jesus Lord of your life, as no one's looking around, you would just slip your hand up. Okay. Okay. Over. Everybody keep your, your eyes closed. A second prayer I want to uh, pray over uh, some of you in this room, the majority are believers. Go back to that moment when you first surrendered your life to Christ. Think back on the passion that just flooded your heart when you made him king. And assess yourself even right now. And say, Lord, am I fully in? Am I fully in? Have I held back in any kind of way where I've allowed doubt to creep in? Just think about that. And then we're going to pray as a fresh rededication of our life. And for those who may have not raised your hand during the salvation moment, as I'm praying, just ask Jesus to come into your life. Lord, I love you so much. Thank you for those in this room who've made a decision to come to know you as their savior. This lifelong journey that they're gonna get to experience such love and such purpose and such fulfillment, getting to know the creator of the universe who came and died on the cross for their sins and rose again. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the salvation that you offer us. If we would believe on you and place our trust and our hope and our lives fully in you, that you would come in by your Holy Spirit and be our Lord. And those who have been pursuing you, maybe it's been a year, maybe it's been 28 years, God, I pray that they would have a fresh, just a fresh rebirth, God, of just passion to love you more today than they've ever loved you, that they would pursue you not out of feelings, God, but out of knowing that they love you and you have placed a promise in their heart. And as they fulfill that promise, they are going to turn it around and bring you worship and bring you glory. 
and we love you so much. Thank you for what you're doing in this house, God. We worship you and we praise you and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus and all of One Life Church says, amen. Hey, can we just clap our hands for those who made Jesus Lord of their life? Hey, can you put your hands together one more time for Pastor Justin Bradshaw, my best friend. I love you, man. Thank you so much.